please hit like, share, and subscribe. Now enjoy the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Good evening, Jim. Good evening, David. We have a special report for our show listeners that involves things <laughs> like tonight, tonight, and I've been told to do this. I've been told that we should we, we should address every single topic at the top of the show so everybody knows what to expect from here on out. First off, if you're lo- watching and you enjoy this, please like and subscribe. Hit the notification icon down below. It helps us Google search and, and uh, YouTube search to do that. So please. Feel free uh, at your leisure. Um, so uh, I want to talk about, you know, that big event that gets held annually that that everybody seems to think is like this really important thing. Um, I want to talk about a new guitar from an old company. I want to talk about uh, a new purchase. And we also need to talk about what's going on in a local municipality here. And I'm going to start us off with that, actually. Um, so I, as a part of old Stumpy, which is my, if you recall, is my cover outfit garbage thing that we do and get paid for, um, (laughs) sometimes, um, we, (laughs) we took a gig for the city of Roselle, which is actually a few cities north of where I live, um, in Illinois and, uh, Roselle is a pretty wealthy neighborhood. Um, lots of 450, $500,000 homes up to a million dollars. Uh, there's a train station there, very quaint downtown, uh, very kind of trendy community, not a big town, doesn't have a Walmart or anything like that in it because that's all down in Bloomingdale, which is nearby. Um, but it's, you know, typical suburban, like upper class, upper middle class, uh, suburb, not a, not an upper class suburb. Those are, I know where those are too. Um. And the reason why I um I broached this is because we took this gig. Um, we were actually our booking agent got us this gig, and apparently we're not getting paid. We were told by the city of Roselle that uh, most artists do this for free. It's a volunteer thing, and that you know it's good exposure. Um, first off. If anyone ever tells you it's good exposure, chances are it's not. Um, and you have a value as a musician. I don't care if you're playing the worst music and you're not any good at your instrument. You do have a value because guess what? You own the equipment and you have to haul it in and you have to know how to use it to an extent. And yep. that means, you know, if it's 20 bucks to get you to come out and play because you suck that bad, then it's $20, right? Um, but the idea that a municipality, not just a municipality, but an upper class municipality gets to, you know, just say, we're not going to pay. And so, uh, that's how this is going to work this year. Now the plot thickens, right? So I go back to my band leader when I'm told this and I said, um, I said, 
you're kidding, right? And he goes, you call me a liar? And I said, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. I, I, I'm just, I cannot believe that the city of Roselle has a festival every year and they don't pay entertainment. Yeah, um, that, that theme, that, I'm sorry, that just feels. Wait, there's more. Oh, there's more. <laughs> okay. So asking around some of the local people I know that have actually played Roselle Festival before, um, they historically have done things like paid people with drink tickets and that kind of nonsense uh, or carnival wristbands and things like that. And, oh, come on. Oh, I'm not kidding. Um, and uh, these are from bands that get paid decent amounts of money to play in various places. Um, one of the guys I spoke to plays maybe five, six shows a year because nobody around here can afford the fee. They're, that when they do play, they are usually pretty in demand. Uh, they play, they play and they pack wherever they're at. Okay. So, uh, and they have kind of a reputation, uh, around, around the area as one of the local festival bands that does, you know, dates at two or three of the local festivals every year. And that's pretty much it. Um, so anyway, I was told that several years ago during the daytime slots, which is what we're playing, they were paying like a hundred bucks for a whole band. Which is which is first off, it's pathetic, right? It's embarrassing yep. for a a municipality to think that having a band show up and play for two hours in the hot sun with you know all their gear and all that stuff set up and tear down, no roadies, nothing like that is a hundred dollar affair, right? Like that's just it's absolutely mind boggling to me. Um, so. That in and of itself was appalling to me, but it just turns out like year over year, apparently they've been dropping the amount of money they're willing to spend on this event. And so this year, um, we are playing after a high school band, like basically somebody's garage band and yep. the band after us, which is hysterical to me. You have an actual band with a real name, real marketing behind it, you know, members that are at least known in your community. And we're we're in the middle slot between the high school band and School of Rock. Okay. So they're going to feature their featured act for the night is basically a music school. Which is like, what is going on with this? Um, so we agreed to take this gig. So actually, fair warning and, and worth mentioning, it's a Saturday afternoon gig. I believe we're playing at 3.30, um, which probably means we'll be playing at 3.45. Um, and we're not, we're like, we're not even going to ask if we can put a tip jar out. Like that's just assumed. And if they ask, if they say anything to us, we're probably just going to quit playing because, because honestly, like the whole situation is just so messed up, but fair warning and, and, and full, full mention to this. Our booking agent actually happens to be in another band. He's in, he's in actually three or four bands. And um, he had passed on it with his band because they weren't willing to pay the money for his band to play. But he hands it to us and says, well, this would be good for you guys. Though. So word of advice, um, ask how much money. Like, I don't understand why our band leader didn't. That would have been the first question I would have asked because 
at least for the band that, that we are, that makes a huge difference of whether it's worth doing. As far as I'm concerned, we should be getting paid unless it's charity gig. And I've done charity gigs with that band and I'll do charity gigs with that band because I like to give back to the community. But this isn't giving back to the community. Okay. You're going to the festival. You're going to buy drinks. You're probably going to buy food. You're going to watch the bands. You're going to play some carnival games. You might ride a ride or two if you're, you know, so inclined. And where is our compensation in that? Because we're part of the draw, right? I mean, it's just mind boggling to me that they think that like, well, you know, people are just going to be there anyway. So you guys should want to play here. Um, what? Because we get paid. That's why we play. Like, it's a job, just like everybody else. Ours just happens to be a part-time one. Um, and it's incredibly frustrating to me that people don't realize that, like, specifically cover bands, because that's what we are, let's be real, cover bands don't play because they enjoy it. They play because the audience enjoys it, and they want to get paid. Okay? So, it is what it is. I mean, I'm going to still go out. I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to play my butt off. And it may actually end up being Old Stumpy's last show um, because some personal situations have uh, changed over the course of uh, the existence of that band. And it sounds like um, due to uh, our band leader's living arrangement moving to downstate Illinois, it's going to change the way that um, we're able to rehearse and stuff. And I, he and I both had a very personal conversation about it. I, I basically told him, I said, dude, it's not a big deal if it has to end because, you know, we weren't making any money at it anyway. And quite frankly, you know, we were just running into situations like this over and over. Um, now, I had an interesting conversation as we as we meander out of this topic. I had an interesting conversation with another player here locally um, who's got some touring experience um, actually down south. He was in he was in Florida area, and uh, his his commentary to me was that he didn't want to play in cover bands. Um, he could he's he's competent enough, but he didn't want to do it because in his mind he's not going to make any money doing that anyway. So the reality for him was like if we're going to do something like let's not make it about money, let's make it about the audience and potentially attracting a following. And it's really, really hard as a cover band to have a following in an area that is so saturated with other cover bands. Um, so he was kind of on the frame of mind that like, I'd like to do originals, maybe 75% originals and 25% covers or less. Um, because he says it's the originals that keep people interested. And that's how you build your following. And, and I, of course, my next question was, how do you get gigs in? Because, you know, I've not seen a, a group around here with a press kit um, that I've seen. Now, I'm not saying they don't exist with a press kit. that's good enough to say we don't do originals. This is what we sound like and actually have the club owner be like, OK, that's legit. Like we want these guys. Um, I'm sure it's a possible thing. I think a lot of people aren't serious about this industry. We, if you go back to the episode with Danny Rabin, he talks about, um, Hey people. Um, I, a lot of people aren't serious about this industry as a business. And I think in order to get serious about this industry as a business, you have to invest in yourself. And that might mean paying some money to have somebody do your record. 
go in and put down a thousand bucks cutting three songs for for a real press kit from a quality engineer and producer to be able to put into people's hands and say, this is what we sound like. This is what we're going to do for you and start to build momentum that way. Um, it'll be a long, hard road to get there, but there might be more reward in it for some people. So that's why I bring it up. Um, compensation in this stuff is something that I think people should have a more open conversation about. I think people make the assumption that bands play, um, they go out and they play a three songs or a three set uh, night that they're making a thousand bucks. And I know because I've had this conversation with non-musicians a lot and they go, no, they're making like 250, 300 bucks. Like you're crazy. If you think they're making a thousand dollars, they're not even getting paid to load in. Like as far as, you know, they're, they're playing for free. You paid for their load in, you know, at, at, you know, eight bucks an hour or something, um, which, you know, is just absurd considering it's somebody's second job. Um, so just keep that in mind when you're when you're booking gigs, price yourself accordingly. And if they don't want to pay the price, don't drop your fee. Make it real, real clear. Musicians don't have to do this. We can make ourselves a little bit more expensive. And the club owners generally can afford it. I mean, if you have a bar and you're, you know, you got 40 people in the bar at night, which a lot of these places we were playing were like that, they're making money. They're making enough money to pay. They don't want to pay because it cuts into their profit and they need that one good night for the, the four bad nights they just had. But the reality is this, if you want to have good nights, book a band. Um, yeah, I don't know that you can say that about a lot of the other bar events that get held nowadays because um, they do what? Jim, you probably know better than I do. Like trivia night is a big thing now. And um, karaoke is always. Oh, you're muted, by the way. Sorry, I had the sneezes. I've, the the um, weather is terribly wet out here. A lot of rain, um, a lot of pollen. Um, so I sneezed and forgot to unmute. But karaoke night, obviously, I think you mentioned that. Trivia night, as you mentioned. Um, line dancing. Yeah, I saw one um, where they did the painting thing, you know, where everybody comes in and paints the same picture. I'm like, are these really must pack, be, that, pa are these packing bars? Well, you know, it, so I'm going to say this. The larger cities, and I noticed this when I was growing up. I remember disco exploded for us in like 76 or 77. Yeah. But this, disco had been huge since 72, 73 in large, a lot of large cities. And so... Unless somebody came from New York City up to, and they had to travel three and a half hours north, which sounds like nothing, but ever back then, um, nobody really, you know, knew. I mean, there was disco, but not disco like disco. So by the time it, it exploded in my hometown, it died. And I've noticed that larger cities tend to have things like that are a little more cutting edge, and maybe if they're popular enough, will seep out. Because I remember hearing about trivia nights. Then all of a sudden there were trivia nights and same with a lot of different things. So um, darts is a biggie. Pool is still a biggie around here. Um, Cause remember this is Navy town um, and, a, and a military town in general, uh, man. I, I sang karaoke last night. I did uh, um, God bless the USA and got not only a standing ovation, half the place was standing 
at attention while I was doing it. Right, right. Um, which tells you that that the narrative is not exactly the way that people want to make it look like. Because that, because again, they live in the city. They have a they have the city mentality of that's the way the rest of the world must be. Because we're like that. Um, a lot of places brought back um, live music, but it's a glut. And so, what sets you apart from the other musicians? I don't think live music was ever was ever gone, Jim. I I, I don't think that no, was a thing, no, but. They would much rather have right other things going on during the week that are cheap. Oh, yeah, during that the are week. Cheap, that are cheap, you know? And that's the thing. But so those never, people should be getting paid, too. Because, honestly, yeah, they should get a cut of the, the cut of the amount of people that are in the club. It should be based on I a have, percentage. I mean... I have never, and I do mean never, ever, had uh, a time where... I thought to myself, hey, uh, we should go do this for the city for free. Uh, the city <laughs> doesn't do anything for me for free. Right. Take my word for it. When that garbage man pet comes, it's because I paid the damn bill. Right. I don't get power because I didn't pay my bill. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Exactly. No, and that's why I'm so frustrated with the situation. So um, anyway, moving on, there was another. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I wouldn't do it. I'd tell them no. Well, but but you know what? It's unfortunate that your rep, because your rep represents the band, but if the band is breaking up, who cares? Honestly, at this point, um, I think it's more or less just, uh, we'll play for tips. We, we usually get 200 bucks in tips. So Yeah, yeah. And, and if it's a big crowd, we'll probably get more than that, which, you know, if it ends up being I get 50 bucks for the show, that's fantastic at this point. Um, so it'll be what it, it'll be what it is. You know, but yep. um, it's just a crappy situation and nobody it should is. actually you should you should. The point the moral of this uh, topic is you should pay attention to how much you're getting paid and you should demand what you are worth. And if they're not going to do it, don't yeah, do there's, it. There's a couple of things that didn't that didn't get done well. One, the band didn't say to the person that's booking them, never book us for less than X. I wouldn't be surprised if the number was dangled in front of us and then changed. Uh, and I don't have all that information. I've had that happen. I don't have all the information, but I do know that we were, we played another gig for the same township. Um, and that was kind of, well, we're paying you, but they wouldn't say how much until we push the issue. And then it, down and it was like okay why you know right uh, and it just basically boils down to they want to do this but they have no budget for it um that's not my problem okay that, that my problem is you have to pay me and so therefore i should not be there so anyway right. and they and they like like you've had happen before they try to shortchange you when they pay you and you're like wait a minute and that's why I, you know, so many local bands don't have writers. We don't have one. And it's like, why don't you have an agreement? And I'm not talking about a gentleman's agreement between two people speaking, but like somebody signing off and saying, this is what we've agreed to. And if they don't want to pay you, I just throw them the agreement, and walk out. Be like, I had, all right. I had uh, internal strife with a band that I actually left. Um, I don't remember. I don't know if we talked about this. I, so pre-pandemic, I was part of a band and the guy kept saying that we were going to get paid. It wasn't a lot, but we we're going to get paid to do this. This like, And that's the thing. 
You're, you're talking about a community that has money. This is a place that has money. It's people that have money. Mm-hmm. And they said they'd pay us this, or, or he said they were going to probably, well, they'll probably pay us this much. Well, what is the real number? Well, I'm thinking they're going to give us this much. What is the real number? Well, I booked us for that thing, but what is the real number? We're going to be playing on this night and we need to be there by this time. What is the real number? You agreed to this and has not told us anything. The night before, I was like, how much are we getting paid? Oh, we're not getting paid. Yeah, then then I wouldn't have shown up. Yeah, and, and in and that I said, situation, I would have been like, I, dude, seriously? Yeah, but you go know, at this point, in reality, and I was leaving the band, but I said, you know what? I'm not going to be that guy. I'll show up. I'll do my thing. Yeah. And believe it or not, we got more in tips than what we thought we were going to get. But still, the drummer and I both decided that that was it. We were not doing it anymore. And we didn't, we didn't continue with that band. But um, so it kind of imploded on itself. And it was all about the ego of one person that wanted to play in a certain place for a person that he liked. He, he had a crush on somebody or something. I, it, it was so ridiculous that I thought to myself, you know... I can't believe I, do, I just went I do that. remember talking about this vaguely. Um, yeah, but, but and it might have been on the side. You and yeah, I might have talked been. on the side. But, but the, the fact is that it's, it's just, I don't know how I somehow lost $250. I don't know what happened. Um, I, don't, I don't have enough money on, to lose $250. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is no, it? they're not back there. Nope. I was, oh, I'm going to see if there's something hanging up. I mean, if I did, it's not, ter- it's not groundbreakingly terrible. I've, I've scraped by on less on a payday after checking, after I got my check. But I think that I, I counted myself down to 50 twice to be safe than sorry. So whatever. I still haven't ho- hung a Pearl. Oh, we didn't record when I last didn't hang Pearl, but I haven't hanged Pearl in a while. She's been down for a couple of days, a few days. What's wrong with I it? I did all maintenance on my guitars. So oh, okay. So you're just working on it. But I think we talked about that last time. We haven't posted that one yet, but by the time this airs, we will have. Um, so let's go on to our next topic. What's yeah, our next yeah, topic? Yeah, yeah, So, So let's talk about that, that, that event that everybody thinks is such a big damn deal, but never is. And we're not going to bludgeon you to death with that because you guys have heard because us talk about a, that like two Christmases deal. in a row. All right, so um, Summer Nam happened. That was a thing. It did? It was a thing that sort of happened, I guess. I mean, when you... I, ha- I saw some of the saddest YouTube comment or content I've ever seen. Yeah, it was like it was like it was the YouTubers amazing. like, holy hell, what do we do now? Um, it was like they went to a... Um, you know what it reminded me of? You know you've been to a gun show, right? Those things are packed. You and I have both been to a yeah, gun show. Yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been to guitar shows, too. And they've yeah, been packed. Guitar and, shows have been packed. Comic-Con been, and that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Comic-Con packed. This was like a sad knitting uh, thing or or like a community. Oh, it, wasn't um, even, it wasn't even that. It was like it was like going to a show floor when everybody's up, like like at a, a educational conference when everybody's upstairs in the education. I mean, it, it looked very, very empty. And it, <laughs> it looked, looked like a job conference for McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> It, there just wasn't a lot of stuff there and there wasn't a lot of brands represented. It was, it was, and Summer Nam is usually pretty reduced anyway, but, um, so there's not, not a whole lot man. to cover with Summer Nam, but, um, cause it, cause it was like the conference that sort of was, 
Um, I think yeah. Winter Nam will be different, but it depends on you know where we go with coronavirus in the next three months. Well, a lot of those announcements we talked about on the last show, they're basically they name announcements. They weren't even, yeah, they weren't even there. Mm. Ibanez didn't show with the headless guitars. Yep. Um, you'd think they would have had a few prototypes because you well, know they, they have got some. they have other stuff coming too. Because I've been seeing leaks online in various places that you know, like the little dealers posting shit and then taking it down because they're like, "Oh, we're not supposed to say that yet." Um, so there's some there's some new Ibanez stuff coming. I won't share because out of respect for Ibanez, I won't share too much about what's coming. But expect some new low end guitars and um, stuff like that. But um, anyway. Yeah, I mean, like they didn't show what Gibson. I don't think Gibson sh- Gibson had a brands booth there, but like the Gibson bo- had majority of the Gibson stuff was at the Gibson. Well, um, you just drive down the street, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I, it, it, it didn't seem like it was the that garage. far away. Fact, uh, Dylan talks tone and a couple others did most of their stuff from the Gibson garage. Yeah. Um, he had more content from the Gibson garage. I would be. He bought I, a guitar. I wouldn't be surprised if they weren't shuttling people from the venue to Gibson Garage. Yeah, me either. And, and the fact is that it would be cheaper than putting a booth. Yeah, well, they had a booth because because I know like Gibson Brands was represented. I don't know if Mesa Boogie well, made I mean, an appearance. But but it was. Yeah, it was probably as big as my house or my little studio here. Eleven by eleven by eleven. But but historically, I mean, they end up with like. Sometimes in the it, winter name, they end up with the whole floor. I mean, so because they own, so like you got to remember, Gibson owns what? Like they own KRK, they own Pioneer, right. they own Kramer. Like, yeah, there's a bunch of different brands that they own, um, and they and they're all represented as part of the Gibson brands when they actually go. And there's been a couple of conferences in the last, um, last couple of years where they that's been sketchy if they're going to appear. Um, and uh, so Fender, of course, they launched a couple of things while they were there, but it. But it wasn't it wasn't the big splash. Actually, the most interesting thing that I saw come out of the event and interesting because we're going to actually turn this into a topic was the boss guitar. Yeah. Um, can so, I can I tell you can I tell you what the boss guitar name is? What is it? So it's the Euros, Euros. Which, which is like a euro, right? Or and I in. thought it had something to do. Yeah, well. Euros actually R O S. I know. Yep. It actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like euro, like like money, right? Yeah. And I thought, oh, it's like a euro. No, it's it's actually for named after the Greek word for the god of south southeast wind. And I want this to be a great segue into. I'm reminded of of South Park, (laughs) and I'm instead going to go with a southeast fart because this has got to be. The least interesting, and probably to me, I mean, I, and now, folks, I, now, don't get us wrong. There are only two of these guitars that exist. Okay, neither of us is going to play one anytime soon. Right but now, I guess one in the one in North America and one in Europe, and it's already announced. It's already on. Uh, you can you can order it from Sweetwater. Twenty two hundred dollars. For the and I wrote this down. I want people to know the fart from Japan. Okay, mm-hmm. so and I got my little smiley face here, so everybody can do I did the LOL thing. But um, uh, I that's my shitty handwriting there. Um, what I what I have to uh, you didn't make uh, it out of um, you didn't make it out of cut up uh, cut up letters from a magazine. Like, I know I didn't I didn't that would, would, no chain letter huh. All right. But it. 
What I don't get, this is the thing I, I don't get, okay, is, okay, so they, they come up with this guitar, and they had a perfect, perfect opportunity to upscale, upstage the Line 6 Variax and improve upon the Roland, the Boss Roland uh, guitar from the past, and what did they do? They made this thing, which is... Yeah. I want to talk about the let let us talk about its features. Let's talk about that foot pedal. That comes let's with it. A, let's talk. It actually, about, doesn't come with it. You have gonna, to buy it separately. We're gonna get. We're gonna go there. We're gonna talk about it. We're also gonna compare it to the elephant in the room that it's mimicking. Um, yeah. And so the Boss guitar, like Boss, has a history of making instruments. This is not the first time. There was the Roland synth guitars in the eighties, and then um, which which some of those are highly sought after. And there's a GR seven. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then, of course, they did the Roland Ready Strats, which yep. were, you know, basically um, MIDI pickups and a Stratocaster. And then most recently, they when they lost their deal with Fender, they went in Strandberg and they did that. They did the uh, GR7 Strandberg, or not GR7, but the um, GK Divided Pickup Strandberg, which is actually a pretty cool concept for them and sort of fits their motif and aesthetic. Um, yes. And then they come out with this thing. So, So let me describe it to you. Yeah. It's jet black, okay. Yep. It is yep. uh, it is flat black, um, matte, right? And it is um, it's got a maple neck, rosewood board. I'm assuming it's rosewood, um, rosewood board. And I'm doing this from memory, by the way, because it's a super bass guitar. It has dots, I think. Uh, yep. for, for inlays. Dotted inlays. Does it have locking tuners? Super basic uh, uh, fretboard. Uh, let me take a look. I don't think, I think the tuners are locking. I don't locking. think they're locking. Like, I don't think they're locking, but they might be. It has a Goto five ten on it, um, so it's kind of sir esque in that in that regard. It has, uh, I believe, a plastic nut, so it'll it'll. It's probably not plastic. It's probably graph tech or some some graph tech like material. Sorry, by the way, it was Euros, not Euro. Oh, I thought it was Euros. Um, and yes, the, those are locking tuners. Okay. At least what I can see. All right. So it's got locking tuners on it. Big deal, right? Like at it, $2,200, a damn well better. Um, it's basically a $2,200 Strat, dual humbucker um, with four knobs. And for, for, for $2,200, they couldn't come up with a recharging system. You have to use four AA batteries. Are you serious? Do you know what? You know what? If you couldn't meet that price point, this is not the guitar you should have released. This is the Firebird X. Did you? Well, we're we're going there. I'm saying it here. (laughs) We're going there. That just just wait, our listeners, please, please listen. Just hang on for a second because I want to talk more about the Eurus before we get there. Um. So the interesting thing is, there's no divided pickup in this. So there's no 13 pin. There's no 13 pin MIDI out. There's no DIN. You know, DIN plug for MIDI. Which is what nope. you normally get, right? Like was it like nine pin, I think. Um, there's not even an aux jack for MIDI. So this thing can't speak MIDI. So when you play it, it's basically just doing its polyphonic magic. Um, which which boss probably does have the leading polyphonic tracking technology right now. If you're familiar with the SY series products, they are stellar. The Boss OC5, which is their octave pedal that uses the same technology, has been out of stock since it came out um, last year. And um, so that's the preface to it, right? So, like, basically what this guitar is, is a guitar, a mediocre guitar, 
Call it what it is. Yeah, it's not best, even baked maple. At best. At, 20, at best. What, what, do, they, do they mention what wood it's made out of? Search for it and then let me know when I'm done. Um, I'm, I'm on it. So no big maple, nothing. And then this guitar is basically like this, like turd of a guitar. It looks like it looks cheap. It looks super cheap. Alder, alder body. Okay, at least it's all back. At least it's all fretboard. Real bone nut. Remember, you're twenty two hundred. Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was a graph tech nut. It says real bone nut. Oh, maybe I'm thinking about another um, picture I saw today. Um. Anyway, it is basically that a cheap guitar with an with an sy. Synthesizer. Okay. Here's here's what I have a problem with. Okay, you go ahead because I need to. I need. To, I mean, that's what I, it is. It's an SY synthesizer, and then it has yep. an attachment that you can buy separately. I don't know what it costs, but it's boss. It's probably two hundred bucks. That allows you to connect up to it and control various parameters on the guitar. I don't know if the if the pedal is listed yet because usually um, they are very good at um, for ball or for. Sweetwater, they're very good at connecting your, like, here's the stuff you might want with this. Right, right. And that pedal's not connected. I'm not saying it's not there, but here's here's the thing I have a problem with. Let me let me go through a couple of things that should be great, okay? But I want to preface this with four AA batteries that supposedly give you nine hours of operation. Oh, it does have an optional power adapter sold separately. Don't ask me how the power gets to it. And why you would want to put run voltage to your guitar. But let's talk a little bit. It has a GS1 editor for iOS and Android devices. So you have, you have USB and Bluetooth connectivity. To upload your synth sounds. Okay. That's a good thing. Okay. I mean, but you're telling me that you have to have a power adapter. Or four AA batteries. You couldn't. You couldn't come up with a recharging system if you have a power adapter. Seriously, I, I'm. I'm a little bit. Maybe the power adapter so you can recharge a recharging system. I don't know. And, and um, independent outputs for guitar and synth. This is where it bugs me. This is goes right back to what you were talking about. So no MIDI, really. So I can't control the switching so that when I'm on stage, I can I can switch MIDI-wise this thing. Um, I mean, I understand because you could probably control a Bluetooth device that could switch your guitar for you, maybe. Is that, is that capable? No, they of just decided that guitars don't need MIDI. We don't use MIDI, and so screw it. Um, maybe. So here's here's where I want to get really granular with this and talk about stupid stuff. So it uses four AA batteries. Gee, what else uses four AA batteries? The SY1, the SY500? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Why would you, I mean, it's pretty clear what this is. If you're not paying right. attention to what I've been saying, this is an SY500 loaded guitar. Guitar with an effects pedal in it. And it's not an effects pedal, it's a synth pedal. And because of that, it doesn't do MIDI in and out. It doesn't benefit from the tracking of having a 13 pin because everyone who has a 13 pin says that the SY1000 is awesome because it tracks even better than the SY500. So if you've never done, if you, so let, let me back up. If you've never experienced synthesizer guitar, understand that um, there's various levels of tracking. And what that means is that um, 
when you pick a note, how fast it picks up on what that note is and then generates the sound. Um, so there can be little bits of latency and there can be lots of latency. And so that's basically what that is. Um, so right. we're talking about and, tracking. That's what we're talking about. Right. And if you're talking about somebody who wants to use synth sounds for a guitar, you're going to talk about those people that do the two handed tapping and the, and the, you know, the really intricate, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not, not putting any of that music down. I love that music, but I'm just saying that that's probably more, it's not targeted towards you know, it's not tractor. It, it is towards that person. That's like creating soundscapes by touching their fingerboards lightly people, in different people, places. People are going to hate what I'm about to say, and, but I don't think there's a market for this at all. And I don't no. think there's been a market for synth guitars. It's a product that exists that keeps getting pushed out to the masses. Like there's this giant group of people just like, give it to me. And there's really a very small group of people that are interested in this stuff, which is why there's not more products. That's why Boss Roland is basically the only company that does it. There are a couple other minor companies that have messed around with this stuff before, but it's mostly Boss Roland. Right. And so it, it comes down to this. Is this something that people want? I don't think so. I, they didn't I want think, it seven years ago. Again, I, I again I get to. It's possible. This is why I mentioned those people that do this. The tracking. It's got to track how many notes at a time, in how many positions across the fretboard, and I just don't know. If we're going to have, especially when it comes to the fact that it's got to be very precise. And this guitar, no offense to people who love guitar, because we all do. But I would think that would be like a fan fret Strandberg type. Which they had. Because, yeah. Now, I don't know if they're killing that. The, the Roland Strandberg collab. I don't know if that's um, going away. And I would suspect it's not because they still need something with a 13 pin pickup on it to be able to plug the SY1000. Um, and if it, if that deal doesn't work out with them, maybe we'll see another one of these things at Summer NAM with, you know, expanded feature set, uh, divided pickup and that that's right. waiting in the wings and that this is kind of right. them dipping their tonal. Interesting to note though, Jim, before we go any further, this is not a WADSA product. No. And Which, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, so what I was saying, what I was about to say is to me, to me, this is really like the first Line 6 Variax. I mean, this is like, like, it's one actually, of the I would say, I'm not even, does it do pickup modeling and all that? I haven't even paid attention to that side. That's just it. It only gives us very, very, like, it does the, you know. Yeah, because oh, go, yeah, go ahead. No, no, you. No, I was just saying I'm going to check this this pedal, see if they have it listed and see how much it is. I found a. It's the EV1WL. Pedal. I just don't. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. That's $150 because the pedal exists already. Here's the, here's the beauty. Okay, the pedal does talk MIDI out a quarter inch. But right now, that pedal, this what, should excite what you. Does it, what does it do with the MIDI, though? It does not show, send no on, no off messages. No, no, no. no. That's, that's what I was about to say. 
This pedal is actually already in proc, or um, uh, this pedal is really meant to control um, the uh, Waza Air and the Waza headphones. So, so that's what. So you could do stuff with this. This is literally meant to be this guitar and this pedal and those different. This is literally meant for the person that sits at their house and plays in the headphones and like a rich person though. I mean, twenty two hundred dollar guitar is a lot of money to do this. Okay, which is play with yourself. Can I? Can I? Can I? Can I? Can I pause for something? This is something that was pointed out to me today. Sure, and it's yeah. super obvious, but Bear is mentioning. Mm -hmm. If you're looking at this thing and you're thinking you should buy this, don't buy a $1,500 guitar and pick up an SY500 because then, right. then you're not tethered to their guitar selection. Um, you can get a $1,500 guitar today with big maple neck and all the accoutrements that you could possibly want um, from like Warmoth or really even some manufacturers are doing stuff like that now and yeah. not whatever it is they're putting together as a guitar from, and I, who knows who they partnered with to build it. Uh, it's probably Cortec. It's probably a $2,200 Cortec guitar. And you could do that for sub 2000 bucks, get an SY 500 oh. and a guitar. And then you could plug all your guitars into your SY 500. Um, this, you know, what should be a lesson to boss is don't put really nice stuff electronics into a piece of garbage guitar it's not, now we don't we, we don't really know if it's a piece, piece of garbage, garbage. right but that's what, what we were shown is super basic right and it's that's like guys this is not what people expect from the company that is boss right right the company that just literally did one of the greatest things as far as uh this most recent our fuzz pedal has just i think Okay, I don't want to say piece of crap guitar. They've put. I, I'm. <clears throat> I'm going to. I'm going to admit this thing is probably going to play really well. And it's, yeah. But but Jim, we talked about that. Maybe so that should be a, that should be our bonus content. That should be sure. our bonus content. We'll talk about uh, things playing well, um, and why that's a terrible evaluation characteristic today. Um, but anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's yeah. A, there's nothing exciting about this, really. And that's why I'm yeah. like, I I'm actually didn't kind of want to do this topic tonight because I was sitting there thinking, there's nothing here to really talk about. Like, it's not even that interesting. But there is one angle that we've missed so far, and I think it's worth mentioning. Jim actually sort of already touched on it, which is that this thing already existed. It was called the Firebird X, which yeah. was a guitar with all the electronic features, the modeling and all that stuff. This one built it doesn't seem to have in large quantities. All that stuff was built into the guitar. You had to have this fancy foot controller. It was a it was a dog expensive. It was like four thousand dollars plus. Yep. Um, that's what this guitar is. I mean, essentially, it's Boss saying, "Yeah, we can do that. We can do it for you know this, and it would just sacrifice some of these features because we don't need that." But I mean, just having the foot, needing to have their proprietary foot controller to go with your guitar. To, to get the maximum functionality out of it and it's still costing yep. $2,200 before you do that is just right. asinine to me. It, it, it doesn't make sense. It no. should come in the box for that amount of money. It should just come in the box, period. Um, 
N, it should be bulletproof because the guitar will outlast whatever you put in the box. Um, that's that's guaranteed, especially with digital yep. equipment. And this is digital. So, oh, but don't worry. You get a gig bag. Yeah, a gig bag for twenty two hundred dollar uh, flagship oh, product. <laughs> it, it is. It's boss's flagship guitar, Jim. I mean, I don't. That's what I'm saying. That's what, so. So you that's know what? Right. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put a theory out there that this is this gonna start to put the nail on this Hopefully. topic. Uh, yep, because I got one up, uh, one more point before you put the nail in it. All right, G- you give me point first, and I'll give my theory. Yep. Electronics and getting wet. And I'm talking about if this is now maybe it's again it's maybe the market is not the the gigging musician. Maybe the market is the person. It's, it's sitting clearly not. Home. It's all integrated with headphones and crap. Sweating all over it because I've done the gigs already this year. Now that the, the whole thing is over, and I have sweated all over my guitars. They were soaked when I was done. My arms were soaked. My guitars were soaked. Hair was soaked. My shirts were soaked. And you all took a shower together. Coconuts. Yep, I was drinking copious amounts of water. Copious amounts of water, and to have. I, I can't tell you how much sweat I took off that strap <clears throat> the other day. I, to have that, um, and that wasn't really a huge gig. But anyway, to have that, am I, am I really trusting all that water? And, and sweat has got what in it? It's got salt, salt. And, and acids. And- salt water. Is this really going to live up to that? And then they're going to give me a gig bag? A gig bag? Yeah. Just saying. So I have a theory as to why this exists. Sure. Think about uh, Boss's forays into recent, like recent forays into other product lines. So they started with the Waza amp, right? And that was a miserable failure. So then they, so then they flipped the script. And I don't think they ever wanted Waza amp to take off, actually. But they flipped the script, and then they went and they made, um, they made uh, the katana. And everybody was like, oh, the katana is freaking amazing. Well, it's just a GG1000 with a speaker attached to it, which is fine. Um, but people were buying those in droves. They're still buying them in droves. It's one of the most fervent communities I see in guitar forums. I, I have not been to a open mic or jam where a katana has not made an appearance in probably the three years that I've been going regularly. Um, I Well, I, I shouldn't say that. There was one small one where I was the only electric guitar player. Um, but but it is probably the most common amp in the world right now. And um, not there's anything wrong with that. And not that the Katana is not a little powerful, little interesting thing that they built. Um, but it seems like they did that and then they did Nextone. I never see Nextone amps, right? Like, because it's not, it's a price point thing. The Katana is popular because it hit a price point. That's um, right. Nobody's buying digital amps, you know, between 350 and six hundred dollars just not just not having it um and so people are buying katanas now you will see the occasional katana artist which is just a super loud katana basically um there's i mean there are minor differences different speaker um but overall it's katana um once you get beyond the katana artist then you get into the territory of of, um next home And then yeah. what, you know, so your next tone and then there's nothing else. So like they have Waza amp at the very top of the line, which is really expensive. And they, I think they're still doing those. Um, yeah. 
that's all great, right? So like, they, oh, successful. We sold katanas. We sold a billion of them. Probably infused right. Boss with so much capital. Now remember, Boss and Roland are the same company. So I'm sure even with the the guitar amps on the katana side taking off, it's probably fifty percent of their fifty percent of their profits when you compare it to what's going on in the keyboard side of the business and the the other electronic merchandise that that, that Roland produces. Um, but so they're, they're sitting there going, "We got to make a product for these fervent Boss fans." It's like they realize they have fans now because katana has taken off and there's a vibrant user community. It's like everybody wants a boss guitar now to go with their katana. They made a $2,200 guitar to plug into the katana. That's what this is. That is honestly what this is. And I, I'm I, not going to sugarcoat it for anybody. That. Not going to sugarcoat it. It is a $2,200 guitar for you to plug into your boss katana, your $250 amplifier. And Jim, you know as well as I do, we've had these conversations about why do people spend $3,500 on a guitar to plug it into a, you know, $50 practice amp? Like, what in the hell? Um, it's always better. And I'm going to say this. I, this is this is fact. Okay. As far as our listeners are concerned, this is fact. If It is always better to take an inexpensive guitar and plug it into a, into a great amp than to go the other way. That is fact at this point. Um, because you're going to get more out of it. Like your tone is generated partially by the guitar and partially by the amp. And as we've said with the tone period and all the other stuff, like speakers are a big thing and the amplifier is a big thing and your pedals are a big thing and your guitar is also a big thing. But if the guitar is playable, which leads us into our bonus content, if your guitar is playable, then just get a good amp. And in this case, Boss seems to have lost their mind and forgotten wh who they marketed the katana to. And they don't seem right. to understand why the katana is successful. The katana is successful is because it's cheap. It is not successful. It's cheap and it's decent. It's not successful because it's expensive at all. <laughs> None of their expensive offerings have, have sold well. None of them. Um, that's why you don't see them everywhere. Uh, there's not a vibrant community supporting Nextone right now. Not in the way that there is for Katana. I'm sure there are users out there. Um, I think they should have been very, very, very careful before they stuck their foot in this water. Um, and done a lot of market research. And honestly, like when I saw bosses releasing a guitar, I got kind of excited because I was like, well, it's boss and everything boss does is really solid. But then I saw the specs and I'm like, this is like a Fender Stratocaster at $2,200 and it's got so much digital crap in it. I really wish Bosch would have, boss would have just said, no, we're going to put we're going to put out a guitar. That's just a guitar, like a really good quality guitar in the vein of a Japanese like motif with, you know, kind of um, think, think about, you know, ESP, that kind of stuff, maybe Stratocaster right. shape, maybe a little bit more offset like they did. I would be actually, if this guitar were just like this, big maple neck, go to a 510, two humbuckers, quality pickups, and they could be boss branded humbuckers and a decent headstock shape with a decent logo on it because the black boss logo on this guitar is just, oh my God. Um, I'd buy it. 
I'd be like, hell yeah, I love Boss. I mean, I have a DS1 in the background for a reason. Um, because it's the only boss pedal I have that's not on my board right now. Um, I just don't understand why they did this. And uh, I don't under, I think we're going to see design changes before it comes to market. I think people are pre-ordering these and I, and I wouldn't be surprised if they don't make some running changes, but I also think that it may change very quickly as in like next year, we might get another one and it might be a little bit, a little bit more what, audiences were expecting right. yeah. um i would not be surprised to not see uh uh what's like like a bushido would be the next guitar they make which goes with the katana and is lower priced and makes sense and is economical and works real well so as yep. um as our bonus content one of the conversations jim and i had this week and i think it's worth really worth worthy and relevant this conversation is um playability and i asked jim i asked jim a very pointed question i said when was the last time you picked up a guitar and went wow this thing plays like shit yeah yeah it's been a long time now i want to quantify some things as part of this conversation because i because i did in the original one which is and i'm not talking about sharp fret ends right and I'm not talking because that's fixable stuff, right? Like that's a setup. Yeah. Or you pay for the guy 10 bucks to file down the front ends. Um, guy or gal when they, when they do the work. Um, but right. or, or things that are setup related. Because, you know, when you pick up a guitar, you're going to set it up when you pick it up at the store. Like you just know it's this is not it's optimal setup conditions. It just doesn't happen anymore right jim i mean like pretty much every guitar in the market is totally playable so yep. i was kind of poking fun at reviewers and i'm talking about magazines i'm talking about youtubers i'm talking about your buddy down the street who says man this thing plays great no shit <laughs> i mean I, literally that's my answer to you seriously of course it does of course it does. Our quality control in this industry right now is the best it's ever been. No one can ever take that away from the companies that have actually managed to make that a reality. CNC, right. um, just just generally understanding what, what customers look for, um, making sure crap guitars don't get imported and sent out to stores, and even yep. dealers going through the guitars when they hang them up on the rack and saying, this is a reject, <clears throat> throw it back. Okay? Right. Um, it's just so much better these days, but it's not just that, right? So like when somebody reviews a guitar and they say, well, plays great. Um, right. It's, that's like, that's like, did you take it out of the box and set it up? Um, because the few guitars I have played where I was like, wow, this plays like dog shit. Um, I think to myself, I bet it plays great with the setup. That's the next thought that pop pops into my mind. Because right. very rarely are you going to pick a guitar up off the shelf at a store. And I'm sure you guys all do the typical guitar player thing. And you go, look down the neck. I'm here to tell you that doesn't do a whole lot for you. Um, With a new, a brand new guitar, I never, literally never do that. There are, there never. are reasons to do it. But, but when people do it and they're not trying to angle it towards the light, then you know that they don't know what they're doing. 
because that, would, that is supposed for? to be you're supposed to get even light reflection across the top of the frets. And if, if it's any way variable or different, then, you know, you got something wrong with either fret height or neck, neck height, neck, you know, either the yeah. neck wasn't filed properly. Or whatever. Um, back in the 70s, you could pick up a fender off the rack and it might not have a smooth neck. Look down the neck right. and you see <laughs> maybe oh, yeah. one half of the one half of the neck would be like this, you know, and um, right into the 90s. Some of those necks were terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, the reason why I bring it up is because like, you just don't see that anymore. And if that was something you, another thing, reviewers don't get guitars that are messed up like that. Okay. So if you're going to check the quality on something, please check the quality on something when you're, when you're looking at it, but you're checking the quality on it. It doesn't mean that the guitar is necessarily bad or like the whole line is bad or whatever. So they're reviewing an individual item. Um, right. One out so, of many. What, that was probably hand selected and sent. Um, so, sometimes. Well, I mean, I mean, YouTube reviewers may not be doing that, but right. in the case Some of magazines, movie. I'm thinking about magazines. You oh, know damn yeah. well, oh, damn well. <laughs> that was that YouTubers was hand too. selected. Let me tell you something. The first YouTubers to get their hands on this guitar we just talked about. Are going to be the one of those two guitars, or maybe a couple more that get introduced into the wild. Those things will have been gone through many times, and possibly by the last reviewer. Mm-hmm. Um, if Ayrtons get their hand on it, they're certainly not going to put it on the show without Pete getting a chance to tweak on it or whoever um, to to make it look feel and sound right for their their thing. They don't want a bad foot forward. We've talked about that before. The, the I fact would be is, surprised yes. if Boss doesn't send their own technician out to set it up for whoever plays it. Right. Right. Now, now here's the thing, though. That, that getting away from the Boss, the Fireflies, and the, and the Yuris, or whatever the heck, damn, the Irts, that's it, Irts, uh, all the other ones, me going around. I mean, there's a reason you and I haven't jumped on one. Why? And and the <clears throat> the fact is that I think there's this this sudden culture, or maybe it's just prevalent online. Because I got to be honest with you, I don't notice. I don't know personally a single guitar player that's one of these glut. I gotta have. I have people that tell me I have a lot of guitars, and I have. When I when you look behind me, I have like ten, and they're like, "Man, you have a lot of guitars," and and they only know of like three or four. Um. So that's the fact their is, business. That, yeah, and, and well, it's not. I mean, but I'm just saying that I don't know if this this glut of I've got to have all of these guitars is like like a um. Is it a real thing? Is it is it a real thing, or is it just something that that there are people who get them? Because you see a lot of these for resale, um, and uh, I, I just I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm missing something is it, in this whole thing. But when you get to this, like you were talking about the setup quality thing, this this you know you you pick up a guitar and does it play like crap? Of course not. Of course not. Most of them don't. Um, most guitars, I, I can tell you right down to the Squire Bullets that showed up at the store. And I unboxed a lot of those things. 
I only worked, folks, I only worked like two or three days a week sometimes. Um, but I'd unbox 10, 12 uh, guitars a day. And when I was unboxing those guitars, I might have had to send back three. I had one fall off a uh, thing, a break a headstock. Um, so the truth of the matter is, and, and a lot of times it would be something that you'd look at it and then somebody go, hey, Jim, did you see that? And it was like, there's a, a lifted fretboard or whatever. And I'm like, oh, shit. And it, it wasn't something I'd put on the floor yet, but I hung it on a, on a hanger behind the counter and I was getting ready to, you know, look at some stuff. And then I would have to, you know, your day gets running fast and it's possible to get, get something to go by you, a scratch or a neck or something like that. But you're generally not well, receiving guitar center. You're generally not receiving guitars though, directly from the manufacturer. You're coming from their distribution facility, correct? Right. From their distribution facility, which means that somebody has at least, well, looked at the box. Literally the boxes are still packaged yeah. from Japan. Yeah. So that just tells you that the guitars that go into the boxes are quality. That's right. So, so the fact is that, that I'm not saying that, that if, you know, you walked into a, a wherever or ordered from online from wherever a, a guitar and you got it in and it's, it was a budget guitar and it played great out of the box. I, I don't find that surprising at all. I also don't find it surprising. I, I have to laugh at, at Phil McKnight. Not, not that, look, I, I think Phil McKnight's a, a, a great guy. I really he's do. A I think swell he's a swell guy. But, but here's the thing the, there's one of these checks he does where he runs a nylon sock up and down the neck and goes, look, there's barely any, any fret ends. Uh, a, a little bit of sandpaper in five minutes in front of a YouTube because these people are going to spend their time, waste their time in front of YouTube. And they're not playing a thing. I don't think I don't know if those things get ten hours of playtime when somebody gets it though, and that's the thing. If you're you buy a guitar, you got a great setup, that's fine. But do you really? And this is really comes down to, and maybe this is what you're wondering. But this is what I would think: Do you really know what a great setup is, and and how that feels to you? If what you have is twenty five budget guitars behind you, do you really know? how that feels to you. And I'm not saying you have to buy an expensive guitar to get a great setup. Because believe me, I know that some expensive guitars come with shitty cut nuts. There's one right there. Um, so uh, it, 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 it does happen. Um, I'm just saying that I knew that that nut was cut like shit because I knew what a shit nut cut felt like and sounded like. You know, if I have to tune that thing 27 times and I put enough lube in there so that, that you know, that it's a pipeline. I mean, I know that the nut was cut wrong and it has to be reslotted. Um, or maybe it's a shit nut and I got to get a new one. Um, but I'm just saying that I'll watch. OK, I'll give you a prime example. I'll watch Trogley. He'll he'll open it. And, and again, I'm not I'm not saying on Trogley. I don't know. Trogley might be the greatest guy in the world. I just don't know him. Okay, so Trogley unlocks on boxes of guitar, and then he plays it, and half the time it's barely in tune. Okay, and it's either his playing or his his inability to tune the guitar, or a little bit of both. But I'm just saying that, and, and not everyone, just a, a lot of them. Um, I was just I just watched him unbox a new uh, um, Noventa uh, Jazzmaster Triple P nineties. Looks pretty cool. He played it. Um, but his playing was, was barely in tune. And I'm thinking to myself, 
Not only is he unaware of that, because I would I wouldn't put that on my channel. But his, but his watchers are probably unaware of it too. But but is that because the the watchers watch it and they go and they're used to hearing that out of tune play? So no, I I just think that, so, that there's a low quality standard. People are watching it to look at the guitars. They're not watching it for Trogley playing. I mean, that's basically, you know, they want to see yeah, him unbox that, stuff. I mean, his unboxing videos do well, so that's that's basically what it is. But um, yeah, I'm just saying that he's not the only one. I've seen a lot of these um, guitar channels that they'll unbox a guitar and then they'll play it, and it sounds like it's not like Anderson's when when Honore can make. Um, you know, here's latest dog shit guitar. It, it it's literally made of dog shit, and he plays it, and it sounds like you know, like diamonds. I mean, th that guy is a, he's just a monster player, and he's incredible. Okay, so so he's the outlier over there. Most of most players are trogly. Most players are the folks who don't actually play that great in tune. No, I, well, I would say I yeah, no, no, I do, but 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 I would say another thing. Like, remember, you're comparing Andertons and like Peter Nore and his whole situation. Um, by the way, incredible player, uh, yep. and and good guy too. Um, but but Peter Nore when he does his he does his thing right. Like, um, those guitars they're playing on Andertons when they do their video, like they're playing the new Squire. They're never straight out of the box. Oh, hell no. That's right. That's that's what they're, I'm they're getting set up and everything right before they hand it to them. And if a guitar is set up properly, they're probably pretty good at the job that they've been assigned. In other words, that's this right. is a strat and this is a telly. That's right. And you know, that's right. Um, because ultimately the 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 my, the differences between and I've been saying this for a while, but the differences between going from squire to fender to you know upper level fender to fender custom shop are are they're strange differences. They're not what you think. And we need to talk about that custom shop then. Well, go ahead. They're not, they're not what you think. Um, right. We actually kind of want to talk about the custom shop thing in another episode. Cause I think that's a good okay. topic for another episode. Um, for next week. Yeah, we can, we can do that. Um, Cause I know what you're talking about. Um, so everybody thinks that like when you buy a squire, you oh, right. get, cause I, and, and people like Philip and I have kind of built this mythos, right? That you're buying, you know, a guitar that has pop metal pickups and all that kind of stuff. And it's like in pop metal hardware. And that may be true, but it's still 80% to 90% of the way to being the same sort of sound quality, same sort of sound properties and playability right. as it's, you know, south of the border counterpart or uh, far, you know, far. Well, I guess that's what japan right so they make guitars in japan and then also of course near the states um and indonesia so um all these guitars are really only not they're they're 10 percent away from one another right and maybe 15 percent right. away from one another even tonally i know people are like i'm sure there are people screaming at their computer right now that squire pickup sounds like trash but the reality is it still sounds like a strat it doesn't sound like That's a great right. strat but it sounds like a That's strat right. And then if you start going up the price tag, you get a few more percent here and there. That's why I've always used a percent model um, when I talk about the stuff on the show. And by the time you get to custom shop, we would consider custom shop probably to be 100%. Um, right. There are other things that go on in the design. That's what we're going to talk about in another episode in terms of custom shop versus what you buy from American and how they set up the custom shop to be, to be 
something that people actually want because there are things that go on in there. That will be a topic for another episode. Um, right. But my point is, we have this thing when somebody says it's a playable guitar, they're like, oh, this Firefly is playable. Great. I hope it is. Because if it's not playable, what the hell are you going to do with it? Hanging on the wall? I mean, right. It's mind numbing. All right. So we got one more topic. I'm going to, I'm just going to declare that one dead. We, we, we've hit that one with a dead horse and we're already in an hour. So I'd like to, I'd like to wrap this up quick. So last week I said I was getting one of these and I got one of these. This is a golden boy. Look at there it is. It's the, um, Jackson Audio Golden Boy, uh, which I don't know why I couldn't remember their name. I had to look for it on the thing. This is cool because the graphics on it are all engraved. They're all engraved. Um, so if I had to, you know, if I went blind, I could still figure out what it was. Um, controls, you know, it's got bo- it's got a boost on it. Game, uh, game, bass, middle, treble, uh, MIDI in and out. Um, actually, you think it's just MIDI in, and then uh, nine volt DC plug. No battery inside. Um, I got this guy used. Uh, it is a King of Tone circuit. Um, it is a Blues Breaker circuit, right? It's got four variations of drive. So there's the Blues Breaker mode. There's uh, what they call Marshall mode. There's Tube Screamer yep. mode, which makes it softer clipping. Um, and then there's uh, there's Asymmetric mode, which is like the heaviest clipping it has. Okay. Um, so it does those four things. And then the boost is basically just game boost, but it's got six modes and they're just EQ curves for the boost. Um, and some of the, some of the boost settings have some more, uh, grit and it has actually on board on the, on the board itself. It has a trim pot for presence. It has a trim pot for overall brightness and it has a jumper, which is basically like a switch. It's, it's like a... Jim knows what a jumper is, but, but for our audience, he pulled it off and put it in the place. And the jumper uh, actually provides you an alternative boost, which is a gritty boost, and gives you a certain amount of um, grit in addition to regular old boost. Okay, so I haven't played with the alternative boost, so fair warning, anything that I say here doesn't really have anything to do with that. I spent two days matching it up with this guy. Which is the 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 king of the blues breakers, the right? This is the, the king of tone. Okay, one that half. is the blues breaker that breaks the blues breakers. Right, two blues breakers in one box. Now, here's the interesting part. I can get this to sound like one half of the king of tone until I'm blue in the face. Um, and it is really close. And actually, the golden boy has more control if you're only looking for one side of a blues breaker because you can use the EQ to do wild things with it. Um, the Because it's an active EQ. So bass, middle, treble, three-band EQ, and it's active. Um, which means, you want some more clarity? I'm going to treble up. You want the mid-stick? You want to you slay the mix? And a bit up. You want to uh, uh, make sure that your bass player and your drummer are happy? Turn the bass down. Okay? Um... It's a very, very flexible drive pedal. The King of Tone, one half of the King of Tone can be matched by the Golden Boy. Because of the boost, I still prefer the King of Tone. The boost is not bad, but it does not replace having two of those boost breaker circuits in one box. 
This led me on a tone quest as I was playing around with it. I actually opened up my King of Tone and I, and I messed with the dip switches. My King of Tone is now currently configured. It was not this way when I started. It is currently configured with boosts on both sides. Because it, it has boost mode, drive mode, or distortion. It's boost mode on both sides. And I, I, I'm so glad I went through this process because I realized as part of the testing process using a clean channel on my film work that it seems like the overdrive mode is sort of tube screamer like in the way that it smooths out, but it seems to have some clean blend. Okay. And I hate that about tube screamers. I hate it. The second I can hear my note undistorted, or like the distortions behind my note, I don't want it. Um, so I, I went in and goose it, I got it set that way. And that actually matches up very well to the Golden Boys Marshall mode. Um, so anyway, King Tone is not going off my board. Not in the short term. Um, the Golden Boy will do exactly what I wanted to do, which is to go to open mics and open jams and sit on the floor while I play through my film work. Um, I can use the boost in those situations, and if I'm with my PRS, it's going to sound really good. Um, my Strat does not, the, the, the boost doesn't work super well with it. Because Strats, boosted Strats really need a big boost. Um, if I had a, a, a tube screamer to go with, that would probably work really well. Um, and there is a boost in here that's like a mid, mid focus boost, which I'm going to play more with just to figure out exactly what that sounds like. But it will not match the King of Tone because it's not two blues breakers in one box. Now, here's the interesting thing. So I was having some conversations with some other people who are fans of the blues breaker pedal. Uh, Jeff Biesiadecki of uh, Good Time Music is a fan of so he's got a uh, special pedal made for him called the McGuffin. Um, I don't think I can say who makes it, but I but I do actually know who makes it. Um, and it is probably going to be a product that comes to market at some point, albeit with some different features. And basically, it's a King of Tone and a Clon in one box. Clon feeding into the King of Tone with some clipping options on the King of Tone. Side. Okay. So just to describe to you what this thing sounds like, um, compared to the King of Tone in its current configuration, the King of Tone is Marshall. I plug it into the Fillmore. I got all the knobs at, knobs at noon. Gain controls at like nine o'clock. Master volumes at like nine o'clock. Okay, or maybe nine thirty or ten um, for the master volume. Um, and so the King of Tone kicked on. Sounds like a Marshall Plexi. Okay, lots of maybe more like an eight hundred. Lots of like punch. Big mid-rangey focus distortion, um, just like what you'd hear out of a, a JCM 800 with all the thunderous low end and all that stuff too. Um, when I plug in, we plug in the MacGuffin. That sounds more like a Mesa Boogie. The front end is more refined and it's louder and more raucous. It sounded kind of like the uh, Badland, actually, to me. Um, which I remarked that the Baglander is a Mesa Boogie trying to be a Marshall. And yeah. <laughs> this is very much in that vein, right? So you got a blues breaker. So that's, that's a Marshall inspired idea. Um, and it was originally a Marshall circuit being pushed by a clon, right? Which, which is actually a really, really cool. I want to get a clon now because I'm like, yeah, that sound was really cool. Um, it'd be nice one to have on my palette. Um, 
But it was interesting because we were looking at this and going back and forth, and what we determined was that the Belize Breaker circuit inside the MacGuffin wasn't as good as the MacGuffin. And we don't know why. We have no idea why. Um, but just going to that single side, comparing the, to both the Golden Boy and the King of Tone, they were very, very similar on one side. But the Golden Boy um, would have been a perfect replacement for the King of Tone circuit that's inside the, uh, the MacGuffin. Um, right. It's just, it's just a cool, like, it's a cool thing to do when you can actually get some stuff in a room and do a shootout. We wanted to get a Prince of Tone um, for the shootout, but we couldn't find anybody that was available that had one. Uh, and we were also looking for the Wampler uh, with the, the, what's the one, the blue, their blues breaker. Um, Wampler's the, hold on. The, uh, it's like a P, it starts with a P or something. Not the Plexi, the, um, hold on. I know this. I know this. Should. Because I've always been. There's a uh, Pantheon. Pantheon. Yeah, we came up with the same time. Yeah, so the Pantheon is, uh, it's got, you know, an interesting tone stack that drives a Blues Breaker circuit. Um, we'd like to have got JHS. Old, we'd all like to get into one room. So JHS right. has the Morning Glory. Morning Glory. But the Morning Glory, so I don't think the Morning Glory would actually work in that shootout because it's different enough, even though the drive is still based on um, that sound, the Blues the, Breaker, the, the Prince of Tone Blues Breaker sound. It's been tweaked to be lower gain and right. blue in a certain way. Um, so right. I don't think it really would have fit in the comparison, but I would love to have one and just get all these pedals together in a room and just go, okay, so this one's good you for can- this and this one's good for that and this one's good for the other. But you know what I found, Jim, from going through this experience? And it's going it's to be really funny and really embarrassing to admit this, but I'm going to start collecting Blues Breakers probably because that's the pedal for me. Like, I've played a bunch of overdrive and never found one that really worked for me. But then I found the King of Tone and like playing each of these today, I was like, damn. I'm like, that one, that one, that one. I think I'll probably like these other two. <laughs> so it's crazy, right? I mean, that's what happened to me when I started running down that fuzz pedal thing and I had to land on a fuzz pedal. Um, so it, it was like, how do you pick the one you like the best? I guess it just. Well, I'm in sort of a different. I'm sort of in a different situation because I'm younger, and I don't mean that to be like derogatory, but because I'm younger, oh, like I can collect all of these blues breakers and have them sitting on a shelf, and someday when I need one, I can grab the one that's appropriate for my situation. Right? Play the blues gig. Grab the morning lord. Play it. Uh, right. You know, play a metal gig. Grab the king of tone. You know, that, that king of tone would be a terrible metal. These are actually this is the one pedal you probably would use for metal. Um, yeah. But like, <laughs> but like, I'm sure someone will make a blues breaker that works for metal. It's gonna happen. Um, oh, I'm sure. Because this 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 circuit is taking off, and it had it shares lineage with the tube screamer, and and some topology elements with the tube screamer. But I really feel like it's gonna at some point somebody's gonna start making things that are just like way out whacked out using the same chipset, and that's when. Yeah. But, but so like right now, so like here's here's why. So if you're on the list for the King of Tone, here's what you got to look forward to, right? Um, you're going to have a pedal that at some point the chip is going to disappear. It's not going to exist anymore. 
and you'll be one of the only people with that IC. Um, because apparently, and, and Analog Man has made this very clear before that he's building King of Tones, he refuses to build them quickly because he knows that it is a finite product. Right. Um, he's not going to hire more people to build them because he knows that at some point he's going to run out of chicks anyway. Um, yep. And from a business sense, it sort of, it sort of makes sense. Um, at some point, he'll probably close down the list and he's going to say, you know what? There's so many people on the list at this point. I only have this many left. So got to close the list. And then it, whatever's left over, who gets it, who gets it? Um, yeah. he'll, he will probably keep a portion of those chipsets for private reserve. Um, but it's just a, it's a really interesting phenomenon um, that these, that this circuit is taking off and that there are so many different variations of it right now. It seems like it has been the pedal du jour as of late for and, a while. And right now, if you do get on the King of Tone list, um, they are shipping to people who've been on the list since 2017. So, yeah, my hat's off to you. I'm sorry if you can't get one. Um, I really wish that some of the personal things that have happened to uh, Mike Kira uh, as he's building these things were not happening because he had some very oh, awful yeah. personal situations that have created this. His, his back is linked to stuff way beyond two years. His back yeah, order, yeah. In 20, 2019, when my order came up, they were almost to one year out. And then it just went all well. So, um, anyway. All right. I know he had, he, he just recently had something happen to him. I don't want to go into uh, detail, but um, he just recently had something. So, yeah. I, I, it, uh, the problem I have is I run down a rabbit hole, right, of tone. And and I want to make, I want to stress something to people before we close this shop that I have to stress to myself sometimes. And maybe it'll help other people. Sometimes the tone, which you think is the thing that you need, isn't what you need at all. No. You, just need to, you just need to play. And, and the, the fact is that it is way too easy to get caught up in those things and forget that really, I mean, I've thought about this. I've thought about going down to three guitars. If you find something that works, stick with it. Stick to it. Yeah. That's exactly what, what we were just talking about the other day. Actually, I guess four guitars, my strap, my two less pause, my three, three, five. I've thought about just going to those. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, actually, I've been talking to somebody about my SG recently. And the fact is, everybody knows I love my SG. I mean, things, you know. Yeah, but I mean, at some point, it becomes... Bag, yeah, the redundancy. And the, and, and the fact is that, that as I play, and I really play, and I really sit down and play, and you do just too, um, I find that I gravitate towards one guitar anyway. And really, the other ones are just to to kind of give me a different thing. But... How many different things do I need? And at what None. point, right? And at one point, does it just become uh, option paralysis? And instead of worrying about the playing and the tone that I'm locking into, I'm more worried about a soundscape and not a playscape. 
Right. I don't know if that makes any sense, but um, I hope we get that, we so. get locked into gear. It's something I've been noticing lately. A lot of people I've talked to, especially because of 2020, they're not spending time playing. They're spending time looking at gear on the internet. And I catch yeah. myself doing it every day, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And then I finally cut myself off. And I say, you know what? You got to either work or you're going to play guitar or you're going to, you know, you're going to do something productive because right. staring at gear, trying to plan out what you're going to do next. It's a waste of time. It's what it is. Yep. It's an addiction. It and it's a waste of time. So, it is. It, it, it really is. And that doesn't help anybody. I've been David. I'm a gym. And tonight we've been practical guitarists.